Welcome back to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker. I'm so excited to dive into this week's episode. We are going to be talking about God's design for marriage within the context of trying to conceive and navigating whether that's infertility or losses or grief or just what your journey to creating your family looks like. November 30th, my husband and I will be hosting a master class. We are trying to do this every a couple of months. The last one we did, I hosted on Zoom and it was just an incredible master class on learning how to navigate and transform your thoughts while going through trying to conceive. So if you missed that, you can grab the recording down below. But for just $37, you can plug into this masterclass. My husband and I will be leading the next one. It will be November 30th, and we will be diving into really your marriage and setting you up for success as you do navigate trying to conceive and build your family, whether that's pursuing some healing or pursuing how to do what God has called marriage to do and really thrive during this season of heartache and and this journey that maybe you didn't expect to find yourself on, how to grow closer and not allow it to pull you apart. So if you're interested in that masterclass, you can register below at the link in the show notes. But let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here, we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. Okay, so to get our bearings for this topic of what is God's design for marriage, for family, really understanding that, and then taking that biblical truth and applying it to our specific personalized journey of trying to grow our family and live out that calling and what can all the emotions that come with that, we need to start at Genesis. So if we go back to Genesis 2, it is the seventh day, God has rested. And at that point, we find we pick up in verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Scroll down to 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So here we see the start of God's design for family. We recognize the very first point, and I have four points for you guys today on today's topic and scripture. Number one, God's design for family was for man not to be alone. That's what we see there in verse 18. God had said it is not good for man to be alone. So the initial design for family and for marriage is that community and that opportunity to experience what God experiences as a triune God. So he is the Holy Ghost, aka the Holy Spirit, God the Father, 
Jesus the Son. They are three in one. That fellowship, that community, that oneness is represented in marriage and in God's design for family. So the first point here that we can pull from scripture is that God has designed family so that we are not alone. And specifically when trying to conceive, I think this plays such a powerful foundational role in what God's design is and how we can truly live that design out even before we start our family is that God really did design the woman to be the helpmate, to be the helper fit for the man. So when we're going through trying to conceive, we need to recognize point number one, that we are not to be alone in this battle. You are not to navigate it alone. Your husband is not to navigate it alone. You as the wife are not meant to navigate it alone. And the important component of living out God's design for family within this battle is recognizing that anytime we pursue that aloneness, we're not actually pursuing God's design for marriage. So when I go to kind of have my alone time, which alone time is different than not inviting your spouse into your vulnerabilities. I think that's the difference maker is that the oneness, like you become one flesh. So you need to carry burdens together. You need to walk through heartache and grief together. You may not feel the same feels like Josh and I absolutely did not feel the exact same way going through our journey for, you know, six years. I was much more emotional. I had a lot more questions and doubts and it was, it was more difficult for me, I would argue, than him. However, God did not create us and design our family for me to go through that alone. It says in scripture that we are supposed to be a helper fit for each other and that we are one flesh. That means that in my vulnerabilities, in my desire where like the enemy can try to convince me to be embarrassed for taking another pregnancy test and having that hope, to be ashamed of my desire to want to be a mom or to be ashamed of even maybe emotions I feel of why is this not so easy and why are we waiting and what is God doing? and Or even if Josh has, my husband has expressed a lot of faith in regards to starting our family in the past, and then I feel like I'm starting to struggle with deeper theological faith questions, the oneness, the helper fit that God's designed for marriage that we see here in Genesis 2 says that we are not to be alone in that. Like I, the enemy is going to try to kill, steal, and destroy. So he's going to try to kill any oneness, destroy any intimacy and unity. He's going to try to discourage that helper relationship that God designed for marriage for male and female. And so for me, I really need to look at that when I'm going, you know, going through the trying to conceive journey. And I had to start letting Josh in on where I was at when things shifted or when I felt that pull to kind of pull away. Because pulling away, especially in my marriage during this difficult thing that we're both technically going through, even though it's a little bit more difficult because it's the female body most of the time that you feel like you're having a different relationship with it than maybe your husband or spouse's. But it's important for me to include him, to invite him in and vice versa. Like if he, if the male is struggling more, your husband is struggling more, him having the leadership to invite you in to the vulnerabilities that he's going through and navigating, because that is where we are living this calling out of God's design for family. And so I started telling Josh anytime I wanted to take a pregnancy test instead of like trying to hide it because I was embarrassed of hoping or thinking 
you know, I I just stopped choosing that emotion. And that goes back to controlling your thoughts and controlling kind of what you're feeling, which is what I talked about in the very first masterclass. You can get that recording down below. But that's so important to learn how to do because in these moments, your feelings are going to lie to you. Your feelings are going to play the victim, play the kind of isolation piece that's actually not what God's design is for you to not be alone in this journey. So that's point number one is really just taking the opportunity because God did create men and women uniquely different. So having a way to be different through a journey like this is actually going to be to your benefit. And I found so many times where Josh would speak the word that I needed to hear and God would use Josh as like a mouthpiece for me to be encouraged in this journey. But if I had never invited him in because I wanted to be alone in my emotions or vulnerabilities navigating this, I would have missed out on the blessing of the difference between the two of us and how that oneness can actually create the helpmate characteristic that God has designed for marriage and for family. Okay, so point number two actually takes us back to Genesis 1, where we see the first reference of God creating male and female in his image to experience that unity that I was talking about, the triune God experiences. And point number two is that it's God's design for us to multiply, which is difficult for us to hear because when we are navigating trying to multiply, we're like, okay, this is A plus B. We'll see here, Lord. Like you've told us we need to be fruitful and multiply. We are trying to be fruitful and multiply. How come the multiplication aspect is not happening? And so anytime you have that question of like, why is this happening to me? It's not God's design for you to navigate infertility. It was not his design for you to not be able to multiply and be fruitful because the original design for family was for us to be able to live it out. It literally says right there in Genesis 1, 27, and God created man in his own image. God blessed them and he said to them, this is verse 28, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. So there's that command right there at the very beginning, right after creation. God is like, this is your calling, is to be a fruitful multiply, which I think is where we start getting those questions, those doubts, those the difficulty that we face towards God because we feel like he's withholding something that he told us to live out. It's kind of like your mom tells you to go clean the room, but then she locks you out of like out of your room. You can't get into your room. You're like, okay, this kind of defeats the purpose, right? So for us, it's really about understanding that that was God's original design for marriage and for male and female. However, we get into Genesis 3 and we see the fall. We see the relationship of where God's design, original design, is changed forever. And so we have to take this into consideration because I do feel like it can alleviate some of this pain that's caused within like church culture of like, it is the woman, you know, the woman's duty to like be fruitful, multiply like that family unit and that design that God has is heavily lived out in Christian culture, right? And I felt that pressure because I was like, gosh, I'm not, I'm not getting pregnant and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and what my body's supposed to be doing. And as a Christian, like I want to create a family and X, Y, and Z. And the thing is, is that 
we're feeling this extra pressure and this extra stress from the lack thereof being able to live this second point out. But we need to take into consideration that sin came into the world over here in Genesis 3. It was given a negative impact when sin came into the world. So we see that Eve took of the fruit, she ate it, then she became aware of what was going on. When sin entered the world at this point, God's original design for things was changed and altered because now sin exists in the world. Therefore, I truly believe that it's not like the Lord is like you and you and you are going to go through infertility. It's just simply part of the aspect of sin living in the world still to this day where that design, God's original design for things is not able to be in a full linear line of like from point to point, from point A to point B. There is ups and downs and curves and turns and curveballs and things you didn't expect in the waiting game, right? And that God uses that for his glory. God redeems that here in our world as we're going through it because he teaches us things and he helps us grow in understanding of his grace and his knowledge and his sovereignty, but it's not his original design. And so That is what we have to understand is that it is his original design for us to multiply. So pursuing multiplication is never going to be the wrong thing to do. However, there are boundaries, I think, within that of like, how far is too far? Like God's command us to have children. I do believe that we need to follow God's spirit. And I've talked about that in a previous episode, kind of addressing like how to know what decisions to make. But we have to keep in mind that the fall happened after that command, sin entered the world after that command, and that as you pursue that specific part of God's design for family, there will be parts of the journey that may not be just the simple be fruitful and multiply. And so we have to kind of take that into consideration is that it is not just simply do it and get pregnant type of a thing, which I think can honestly ease some pressure we might feel to like get pregnant or to have a certain family that looks a certain way or have a certain amount of kids. Like I think we can truly rest in God's grace that like he wants this for us. He wants this for you. But we can also understand that there is sin currently in the world and that manifests itself in disease and sickness and whatnot. And we have to take that into consideration that it God's design is impacted by sin. And so we have to navigate now post sin what that means and still pursue God's design, still pursue healing, still pursue God's redemptive story in that design for family, but not hinge everything on like, this is just not happening. So therefore God doesn't care because that's creating issues when it's very clear here in scripture that sin did come into the world and alter things from that point forward. So point number three, we're going to dive into the one flesh. So point number three with one flesh, when it talks about how he leaves his mother and father and he joins with his wife and they become one flesh. I kind of think about that joke where it's like, do you remember, you know, the wife is telling the husband, do you remember when we, when you said we had a baby and we are recovering? (laughs) And then she says, well, we hit another car, right? Like it's kind of like using the term differently because obviously like the female goes through the actual birthing process, but a lot of times husbands will say we, right? 
And so it's kind of the same concept, like really just adopting this one flesh that God has called us to be one flesh. And the Hebrew word of that means one person. So to become one flesh then means to become one person. The way that God designed male and females is that we make an exact fit sexually. And so we fill out and we complete one another from that respect. But the two constitutes a whole. So really thinking through kind of back to that first point of not being alone on this journey, when we talk about one flesh, it's like, how are we pursuing being one flesh as we navigate post sin coming into the world, God's design as we pursue multiplication, right? So we're pursuing this, we feel good that God has called us to reproduce, and we are one flesh, but like, are we actually savoring, prioritizing, choosing to thrive as one flesh? Or are we just going through the motions, trying to get to that original point of multiplication, and we are kind of bulldozing over any part of intimacy and enjoyment of the process because we're just so fixated on the destination? I think this is what's really important for us is that God gave us sex as a gift. And I think that as we navigate what God calls, you know, marriages and families, God's design for that, we need to pursue that design with the context of knowing that it's not just for multiplication, although it is, but really being mindful and careful to set up boundaries and kind of date each other and even create ways to allow our marriage to thrive in this one flesh area, because I do believe that that's where the enemy is going to try to also kill, steal, and destroy, is that he's going to try to take this bigger issue of we're struggling to conceive, and he's going to try to create fractures in that marriage. And he is going to try to create loneliness, isolation, suffering, maybe bitterness, just try to fracture that one flesh, to be honest. He wants to divide that, split that up, because then we aren't pursuing, you know, navigating this difficult thing together, which can bring God glory. We can have a living testimony to how God's working through hardship in our life and in our marriages. And that represents, which we're going to get to in point four, the reflection of Christ to his church. So if the enemy can get in the middle of that and try to convince you that you're not one flesh, that your husband doesn't understand or that he doesn't care or that your wife never wants to, you know, be with you and that it's always about only when you're ovulating and X, Y, and Z. We have to be so careful, especially like my wife, girlfriends that are listening right now, my wives that are listening, I think it's important for us to be mindful of this. Like God has called us to be one flesh with our husbands, not just for the purpose of multiplication, but because that's literally the call of becoming one person that we do fit in that wholeness together and that honors God. And so are we being mindful to pursue that for the sake of God's design versus just for the sake of multiplication and getting to the final destination of pregnancy or becoming parents? That's a question we have to ask ourselves and become self-aware and ask the spirit, Lord, like show me any blind spots where I'm not pursuing being one flesh with my spouse, where I'm allowing the process and the steps and the treatments to override what God has designed for us to navigate, pursue, enjoy, thrive in the marriage context. I think another way that the one flesh rolls out is, you know, going back to battling it together. And that point that we made first is really just knowing that there is something different about male and female. 
the way we look at the world, the way we navigate things, the way that God speaks to us, the way that we represent the image of God and bear his image. And so really leaning into how we can complete and help one another. There were several conversations I feel like where I would struggle with comparison. And I would share that with Josh in the sake of being vulnerable back to that point number one. And I would just share with him, like, I'm struggling because, you know, so and so is pregnant or this just came up or whatever. And he would just be like, you know, drawing me back to God's word. And there was one time in particular that God used him so mightily in my life. And I've talked about this before, but it was the passage where Jesus is talking to Peter about how he's going to die. And Peter's like, well, what about that disciple? Right. He's like, all of a sudden looking at what God has for somebody else. And I think that's where we get into trouble with this journey is like, we're looking at what God is doing in somebody else's life. And we're saying, but wait, they're getting X, Y, and Z. Why can't I have that? And Jesus tells him, what does it matter what I do for him? I've asked you to follow me. And he kind of commands him. He says, you follow me, Peter. And that is something that I has just stuck with me ever since Josh brought that passage up to me. But it goes back to becoming one flesh. We are doing this together. We are in this together. Even if it's like one person's body is like, oh, the wife or the husband, whatever the situation, whatever your specific breakdown is to your conception journey, it is still your journey as a unit, one flesh. So really focusing on how are we navigating this together and how are we creating self-awareness to really help meet one another's needs, whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical? How can we live out God's design right here as one flesh in a way that honors him even when we are not being able to create that point number two of multiplication? Which brings us to point number four, and that's the reflection of the relationship of Christ to his church. And this is found in Ephesians. So we move on into the New Testament. You can open up to Ephesians 5, through 23. So Ephesians 5, through 23 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. It then goes on in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And then if you go to verse 29, it says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, cherishes it just as Christ does the church. And this is so powerful. I think I'm speaking mostly to the men here, but wives, as we are navigating, we need to understand that our husbands are meant to lead whether it's decisions about treatments or it's navigating spiritually how to get through such a rocky time, our husbands are meant to lead. It says here, and you know, maybe even share this recording with them, husbands, your job is to lead your wife. Your job is to nourish and cherish your wife. Are you doing that right now? Are you making sure that her needs are being met and that she is without blemish. I think part of this calling is a spiritual headship and leadership that you are responsible for the spiritual climate and culture of your home. So if you just have a wife, you don't have kids yet, you are responsible for that. And God does hold you responsible in a different way than he does the women. So if your wife is navigating difficulty on a spiritual level with God, what are you doing to help her? to present her as without blemish, without a spot in front of the Lord, right? Because that's what Jesus did for the church. And that's what he's commanding you to do, to 
love your wife to present her in that capacity. But if you are not pursuing the Lord, and if you are not strengthening your relationship and your headship and your leadership abilities to help your wife make those connections, move through deep theological questions that she has or struggles that she's facing, or you're not working through your own, you are not stepping into that leadership role that God's design for family is asking of you according to scripture. So asking yourself that question, kind of going back to point number three, where I was challenging the woman, how are you navigating being one flesh for your husbands? Same thing here for husbands. How are you feeding and caring for this grief that your wife is navigating? How are you loving her as Christ loves the church? How are you intentionally carrying that burden and being willing to help at whatever cost? You know, I think back to our journey and by the end of it, (laughs) we were, you know, six years overseas and we were our second year over in Japan and I was really struggling with depression. I was just sad, honestly. I was just sad that our journey had been taking so long. There was obviously, it was such a great, beautiful time. And I look back on that time so fondly because the Lord was so near to us. And Josh and I got to have so much fun just traveling together. But he was willing to leave his job in basketball for us to pursue a healthier culture and family dynamic by moving here to Maui where we could start pursuing community because we did not have that overseas. We didn't have a church to go to regularly. We didn't have people checking in with us regularly besides our family and that type of thing. But we didn't have that like in-person community to just basically hold you up when you can't hold yourself up. So for Josh, the reflection of him loving me like Christ loved the church at this point was honestly him being so willing to go so far to give up his job. And granted, like the Lord is so gracious and he was able to step into a bigger dream of his doing sports ministry here, but it didn't change how difficult that was for him to release his job of loving professional basketball and then stepping out of that to help me get what I needed to navigate through this. He was reflecting and living out this passage here in Ephesians because he was putting himself last. He was sacrificing something so that I could get what I needed, have the support, really feeding and caring for the grief like it talks about here in this scripture. So as we navigate through kind of closing here, God's designed so far from what we've seen in scripture, we can see in Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5, really see what he's trying to share with us that It is not meant for man to be alone, that he gave us a helper, and this helper is for us to be one flesh. It is God's design for us to multiply, and that multiplication command came before sin came into the world. So navigating your feelings around being able to wait and just like having to go through infertility, if that's what you're going through, you can find some peace there because we do see the sin enters in in Genesis 3 after that, and it does negatively impact God's design for family and marriage. It doesn't change that that's still his design, but it's just changing the process, right? And then we become one flesh. So pursuing one flesh, how am I living that out? Asking yourself, am I being intentional to love my spouse as God's called me to in navigating the marriage partnership and completing wholeness and fitting together where we are one flesh? And am I reflecting the relationship of Christ to his church? And am I submitting to the leadership of my husband? Or am I just plowing ahead because I really want to be a mom? I think that desire to be a mom as women is oftentimes, I, I wouldn't say a blanket statement, it's always, but I would say that 
as a female, it's much more emotional in some ways because God designed us to care for and love and nurture little things, right? Like I do believe like even my daughter right now, she's not even two and she's just like always carrying around her baby and putting it to sleep and trying to put a diaper on it. Like God has just knit together women to care in that capacity. It's just beautiful. But because of that, a lot of times we can struggle to submit to any reservations, questions, doubts, concerns that maybe our husbands might have when we are pursuing treatment options. So asking yourself that, wives, like in Ephesians 5, am I living that out? Am I submitting to the headship of my husband? And then is he stepping into the role as a leader of our home and being you know, essentially responsible for the spiritual dynamic of our family? And is he helping me and meeting my needs? Are we being willing to sacrifice individually and together to selflessly love one another and live out this design that God has called us to, to bring glory to him? If you're wondering how to do that, and if you're wondering kind of what the next steps are, how to make changes, you're like, okay, I recognize that we're not living this out in our marriage. How can we make those changes? Get signed up and registered for our masterclass at the end of the month, this month. We have a couple weeks to register. We would absolutely love to support you guys and equip you on kind of taking those next steps. And then make sure you come back for the next few episodes. We're going to be diving into this topic of just marriage and navigating trying to conceive. So I hope that you found today's episode helpful. I would love to hear what spoke to you. Tag me on Instagram, The Waiting Well Podcast. See you in next week's episode. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.